We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We're good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle podcast here on a Denver Broncos by week nine. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I missed most of all the fun stuff last week because I got laid low by a little bit of a, a virus. I don't know if it was the flu or just a gnarly cold or anything, but, you know, there's there's not really any happening news. But since I wasn't there with you on Thursday night, how are you feeling now having had several days to sleep on the Bradley Chubb trade? feel great about it. You know, I really do to maximize the investment they could get back on a former first round pick. I compared it with Scott to like a car. When you buy one, it depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot. And now five years later, the Broncos getting a first round back for a first rounder, getting a running back, getting a fourth in there as well. You had to do it. You weren't going to pay Bradley Chubb that money. I don't personally think Bradley Chubb deserves elite uh, edge rusher money because he's not an elite edge rusher to me. He's very, very good. So all things considered a good deal for both sides, a good landing spot for Bradley Chubb. I was watching the Dolphins game earlier he had some plays he was involved in but to get back that first and offset the Russell Wilson trade a little bit for George Payton a big W I feel very good very good about it I honestly Zach when we were talking about it Monday night um, I really didn't think a first rounder would be on the table for Chubb honestly I get it fifth year you know relatively young but he's not that young you know if you look at Bradley Chubb uh from an age perspective, okay, he's 26. So NFL team looks at that and goes, all right, you know, we've got three or four more like good years left that we can probably bank on. But 26, I figured a second round pick, maybe a, a mid round pick, second round pick at best for the Broncos to get a first round pick for Bradley Chubb, a guy who, listen, they just paid Randy Gregory five years, $70 million. You got Baron Browning emerging. You just invested a high round pick in Nick Benito you're probably not going to pay Bradley Chubb anyway. So get while the getting is good. I don't understand. I, you know, I haven't seen too many people pushing back on it other than Zach, kind of the implicit message that it sends, which is, you know, because if you were all in, a team like the Dolphins, they're exactly. all in. Exactly. Right? So they're 
buyers. They're stockpiling. They're trying to get as many assets for now to capitalize as they can. So it's that implicit message that it sends, I think, more than anything, Zach, that has bummed fans out. Otherwise, the value of the trade was actually well in Denver's favor, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's what I was going to say. All it takes is one, you know, a trade partner. And George Payton said he wasn't going to trade Bradley Chubb unless it was a first round pick on the table. Uh, So he got what he wanted and he found a team in the Dolphins that's aggressive. They're the Rams this year with the F them picks mindset with Chris Greer over in Miami, the general manager. And they found a team that's in win now mode. They felt they were one edge rusher away from really competing. And uh, the Broncos took advantage of that to get back a running back as well, who could contribute in the passing game and a mid round pick too. I mean, it's just a cherry on top of a very, very good trade for George Payton. We have a ton of topics to get to. We see some comments, some super chats stacking up. We're going to get to you next. First, though, we just got to say thank you. What's up uh, to the presenting sponsor of tonight's live stream podcast? And that is, of course, NordVPN, who if you're like us, you're becoming increasingly paranoid, worried about cybercrime, people stealing your private data. But that's why you got to use NordVPN. You can use it across all your different devices. And VPN, that stands for Virtual Private Network. And what NordVPN does is it's a one-stop shop to protect you, all things cybersecurity. And you do not need that degree from MIT to, to figure it out. It's very easy, just one click, protected, all right? Very intuitive. Also, you can change your geolocation. So if you want to watch that NBA game, that NFL game, that college game, whatever, that's not in your market, go ahead and alter that on your device. I'm in you know, New York City. Boom. You get access to those local markets on your streaming services. Awesome. Yeah, Broncos Country, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash MHH to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash MHH to get four months free. Love it. Um, okay, let's. Uh, there's a few things I wanted to get to tonight, but let's grab Ed, who's always great. We love Edward Keating. He says, one of our Mount Rushmore Super Chat superstars throwing down saying, I believe we can turn after the bye and the Broncos will make a run. Wilson, Hackett, and the offense seem to be clicking. Can't wait until December 17th to be in Littleton, Colorado. Thanks, guys. Very cool. That'll be awesome, buddy. That's a good little segue. And thank you, Ed. We appreciate the support, big dog. You know this. That's a good segue. So, Zach, the Denver Broncos – Sit at three and five. We can pull up the schedule here in just a moment, but they're they're on their bye. They're licking their wounds. They're doing some self-scouting. Coming out, they go on the road, take on the Tennessee Titans. And if you do take a gander at the schedule from here on out, guys, it'll make your uh, you-know-what pucker just a little bit. It's not going to be an easy road. So my question to you, Zach, first thing is first, what margin for error do the Denver Broncos have when we talk about How many losses can they survive and still be a viable playoff threat? I mean, realistically, what's going to get you in in the AFC? 10 and 7 minimum, I I feel like. 11 and and 6. I can never math this new uh, record. I know. Our brains are wired so much the other for For so many years. Yeah. So I don't know. They don't have much. I mean, they ha- it's why it was so crucial for Denver to win the games in the early part of the schedule. They should have won the Jets, the Colts, for example. Uh, but it really starts on Sunday. I feel like every game going forward now is a playoff game for the Broncos if they want to keep their season alive. So it starts next Sunday against the Titans, who we're watching right now take on the Kansas City Chiefs. So talk about self-scouting. Broncos country should watch that game. And if they lose it, 
I don't know how you recover. If you win, you're still alive, but that's going to be the barometer for me, Chad. And just to push back on what Edwards said a couple seconds ago, did the offense really click against Jacksonville or did they only look good again in spurts? The second half was much better than the first half, but we have not really seen a four-quarter complete dominating effort from the Broncos offense. They come out against Tennessee, a really well-disciplined, very coached, very well-coached team, and they have a four-quarter game. I'll believe. I'll buy in. But for now, I'm still very skeptical. Chris, chances, throwing down a big boy super chat. Thank you very much, Thank Chris. You, Chris. means a lot to us, big dog. Uh, he says, Zach and Chad, still the best in the business. Uh, most kind, my friend. Don't forget, Scott, what will it take to win this next game? Scott goes like this. Uh, what's it going to take? Zach, I'll offer up my two cents on this and serve it over to you. I think that in order for the Broncos to win, we don't know who's going to be uh, at quarterback for the Titans because, as Zach just mentioned, they're playing the Rook tonight at Arrowhead. Tannehill, we'll see how it all shakes out a week from now, but I think you got to get that run game going. If you can get that run game going, uh, all things become possible. And Zach, knowing that Lloyd Cushenberry is probably expected to miss this one, I'm optimistic that they can get the running game going if they want to. If they try to stay committed to it, more under center stuff from Russ, so that you present the plausible threat of even on a passing down of or a passing play of the defense believing it might be a run. But I think it starts with gear up for for the run and just hope that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett are continuing to vibe and get on the same page here. I agree with you. My question is, what is the Broncos backfield? I mean, if I would have told you a couple months ago, it'd be comprised of like Marlon Mack, Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds. It's it's just all so far gone from the original plan with Javante and Melvin Gordon. But you're absolutely right. You got to keep the uh, T.O.P. in your favor, take the pressure off Russell Wilson. But on the other side of the ball as well, I mean, put 11 guys on King Henry. Hope you slow him down to make Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill beat you. Tannehill, if he plays, would be maybe a little rusty, maybe still a little gimpy hurt whatever but it all starts with tennessee with derrick henry you slow him down you have a really good shot of winning phil thank you buddy it's great to see you on facebook as Big tennessee dog. just picks off Mahomes. sorry nice this is good this is good news phil says it was a great move with chubb he says i loved watching the raiders give up a lead and lose today go broncos hashtag mhh for life yeah that's kind of been a theme for uh, josh mcdaniel's raiders so far in his uh, young tenure as head coach there is relinquishing big leads. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Isn't it great to see? I revel in, in a Raiders loss, and I saw they had a bad special teams play today. They gave up a big kick return. Tom McMahon special. I have <laughs> zero sympathy for the Las Vegas Raiders. Been there, done that. Luke yeah. Ellis. Got the T-shirt. What's up, bro? Thank you. Appreciate you. Connect with us on Twitter, by the way. He says, happy that we kept Jerry Judy. Still think there are big things in store for him here. Yeah, that was something that George Payton talked about Tuesday night, that the phones were ringing on the receivers. And that's what's one of the things, Zach, that has been so frustrating about this season is we going into it, we knew, hey, this is like shaping up really nicely for us, man. This could be the best wide receiver core, best supporting cast at the skill positions he's ever had. And every one of them to a man is not meeting expectations, including Cortland Sutton. You've seen some flashes from Cortland. You've seen some flashes from Judy and you've seen some flashes from Hamler, but just no consistency because I think a lot of it, Zach quarterback and the coach still trying to vibe things out. But as things keep continuing to flow, it seems like Russ is going away from Sutton as his kind of no brainer more towards Judy, because if you actually turn on the all 22 films, Zach, you know, there was a stretch there where the Broncos, these receivers just were not getting open, but you know what? Jerry Judy is. Cortland Sutton's really struggling to create separation. Guess who's not? Jerry Judy. Guess who else isn't? KJ Hamler. Yeah, that's very well said, very well put. Uh, it's looking like he's not just uh, Russell Wilson's number one now, Jerry Judy. He's the Broncos' number one because Judy really showed out with Brett Rippon under center, and right now he just he's in some sort of zone, and it's good to see. Why the Broncos, I think, didn't move him is because for George Payton to even consider that, there had to been an offer on the table better than what Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool drew from uh, Chicago, which was a second and a fifth or sixth or whatever. So if he didn't get that, you know, why trade away a guy who's still ascending, still on his rookie contract? And he could be the Broncos' number one receiver for the long term if you just commit to him. He showed now, Jerry Judy, if you get the ball in his hands and not use him as a decoy, not use him as what he's not, a possession receiver on the outside, he's going to help you win ball games. And hopefully the Broncos commit to that going forward. Jeremy, good to see you on Facebook, my friend. Thanks for being with us and the support. He says, what's up, guys? I hate to say it, but the center getting hurt is going to help the Broncos. Absolutely. Funny, funny you say that, Jeremy, because I wrote yesterday that the Lloyd Cushenberry injury is a blessing in disguise. You don't, you hate to see any player get injured, any Bronco go down like that. It's a bummer. But we've been saying on this podcast that it's been time. Both of us were like optimistic and, and supportive of Lloyd Cushenberry as being the man. And when we heard about uh, Russell Wilson, Zach, including him on all the offseason stuff, the throwing sessions and all that, and then like really touting him during training camp and all that. It's like we saw the writing on the wall that this is the entrenched center. All right, maybe now with a like bona fide quarterback, we're going to see a different level of Lloyd Cushenberry, but it just didn't play out that way. He was week in, week out, rep in, rep out, the weak link on that offensive line, and it trickles downhill to everybody, and especially Dalton Reisner and whoever is lining up at guard, whether at the time that was Graham Glasgow or Quinn Miners. So I think this is the right trio 
we'll see. Our, our theory is going to be put to the test next week, Zach. The right trio being Dalton Reisner at left guard, Glasgow center, Miners right guard. And I still wouldn't cry if Natani Moody got some right uh, or some guards at left guard, some reps at left guard as well. I just want to see what he has and what he can bring to the table in the system. But for Cushenberry, if you don't have it, you don't have it. It doesn't really depend if it's power, man, zone scheme. And it looks like Cushenberry is just not strong enough at the POA to be a starting caliber center at this level. That's fine. And I hope he heals up soon. I don't want to see any player hurt, go through an injury, whatever. Personally, no problem with him. Professionally, just not good enough. No coincidence why the Broncos offense started to click in the second half with Glasgow at center. Yes, exactly. We do not believe in coincidence, okay? Coincidence is the exception, not the rule. Um, And we probably should have taken it as a harbinger, Zach, that he failed to launch despite the fact that his first two years in the league – he was being coached by one of the most venerated O-line coaches in the game. Another head-scratcher on why Nathaniel Hackett opted to go ahead and send him on down the road, Mike Munchak, for Butch Berry, who I hear things that is not that well-regarded, could could be not mm. that well-regarded in the hallowed halls. Uh, David Wilder, good to see you, big dog. Thank you for the support, and just every night, buddy, we, we really love you. He says, uh, good evening. I hope we can go on a winning streak now. Maybe we can be a surprise in the second half and be that Cinderella team that happens every season. One can dream. Maybe. Let's take a look at that, all right? I, I, I want everyone to be hopeful. I was just pulling that up. Okay, but, but don't get your hopes up. Does that sound con- too contradictory? Be hopeful, but don't get your hopes up, all right? Here's what awaits your Denver Broncos coming out of the bye. Tennessee. It's week 10 already. Yeah, dude, time so flying. Uh, Tennessee, okay, and then home against the Raiders in a rematch. That's not going to be an easy game, guys. Quit. You just should never look at the Raiders anymore as just some kind of a joke gimme game because they've had Denver's number now for too long. Five straight, I think now, Zach. All right, Carolina, that's like your one kind of maybe breather game a little bit, but still you, it's the NFL any given Sunday. Then the Ravens, week 13 at the Ravens, by the way. Then you're home against the Chiefs. Then you're home against the Cardinals. Then you're on the road at a at a Rams squad that is listing right now. Then you're on the road at the Chiefs. Then you get the Chargers to to kind of polish things off. So I think the margin for error here is over the next um what is it, nine games? Yeah. Uh you've got a, a margin of error for two losses. You can afford yeah. Two losses. Uh, outside of that, then you start losing control uh, of your destiny. Austin says, I'm still laughing that McDaniels is the Raiders head coach. LOL. That's yeah, because the football gods have a sense of humor. That's the truth. There are no gimme games left for the 2022 Broncos. They've played down to levels of competition I have not seen in quite a while. So even Carolina could prove to be a challenge. But you're right. Uh, they have maybe two loss uh, margin for error. I just don't see Chad realistically. We talk about going on a run and it very well could happen, but even teams like Baltimore who most consider maybe second tier middling or whatever, that's an East coast early game for Denver, which yeah. they historically struggle in. They had to beat teams on the early part of their portion. Like they should have in uh, Indianapolis, the jets, even the first Raiders game, all their games were winnable, but you have to stack the wins when you can. I just personally it's hard to see three or four more victories left on that based on what we've seen from Denver so far this year. And that's the thing that should uh, in some way perhaps encourage fans is that, as you just mentioned, Zach, 
as ugly as it's been at times, the Broncos have been in every single game. They're not getting trucked out of their cleats. You know, they're they're a viable competitive product. It's just with, you know, three exceptions, they always find ways to, at the end. It's the other team that, that makes the clutch plays that are needed to win. Michaela Israel throwing down a super chat. Thank you, Thank my you. friend. She says, I feel less sad that we lost to the Jets now that the Bills lost to them too. Yeah, that was a surprise. I, I got to be honest with you. I did not see the Jets beating the Bills. Jets defense is for real. I give Robert Salah a lot of credit, but that offense with Zach Wilson is still so erratic, man. And after losing Brees Hall, I commend them for putting up any points. But to me, not to take anything away from Gang Green, that was more of a letdown game for Buffalo. Every team has them. It happens almost every week by someone. I think that was Buffalo's. Whoever they play next week, I feel bad for it. Put it that way. Wero, hey, dude, by the way, your mug is going out tomorrow. I ended up waiting because I had a couple other little pieces of merch that I wanted to send with the mug, and they arrived late this past week, so it's going out, actually arrived Friday, so it's going out tomorrow. You should be seeing that uh, within, by, probably by end of the week, I would guess, but thank you for the super chat, bro. He says the Raiders, uh, Raiders fans are already calling for Tom McMahon to be fired. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's it was kind of bizarre that after how bad Denver special teams were, under his watch that he just immediately walked right back into a coordinator job. But I guess maybe that has a little something to do Zach with, you know, they don't grow on trees, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to understand it myself. Yeah, I don't think Josh McDaniels is long for Vegas and all of Broncos country could have saw that coming. The problem, based on what I saw, I know they got blanked by the Saints last week. It's not the offense. Didn't Devontae have three touchdowns today or something like that, 148 yards? It's the defense. And I actually commended uh, uh, McDaniels for hiring um, Patrick Graham as his DC coming over from New York. He was a very well-respected guy. I thought he whipped that defense into shape. They just don't have the talent on that side of the ball, but hiring McMahon and even investing your franchise in McDaniels, giving him the keys, even to run the offense, very short-sighted, but we all laugh at their misery. Savage boy, Kev on Twitch. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. He says, doesn't it feel good to have a week of stress-free of Broncos <laughs> football? On one hand, yeah, I think for those of us long-suffering fans and people in the media too, you know, it's like it's nice when things aren't or have been not going so well to kind of get your own little breather. But speaking of that, Zach, I mean, people still up in arms. Like Russell Wilson has reached a whole new level of scrutiny. I'm starting to understand a little bit now I, I viewed it more as kind of an excuse and GM speak, but when George Payton was talking about the unprecedented level of scrutiny that Nathaniel Hackett was facing as a head coach and Russ and all this, I was kind of like, eh, dis kind of dismiss it. But, dude, to see people tripping out over what he tweeted, so innocuous from his vacation. Where is he? Somewhere in Cabo? Cabo, yeah, in Cabo. It's like, dude, are you serious? You're going to continue finding ways to crucify this dude? This is just... This is just who he is. He's just kind of a cornball. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, when I was covering the Cowboys on a past life, Ezekiel Elliott famously went to Cabo amid his contract holdout, and uh, he got killed for that until the, the Cowboys started winning, and it wasn't a story anymore. So that's the thing now. The Broncos come out and beat Tennessee on Sunday. No one's going to mention the Cabo thing. If they lose, that'll be the first thing they throw back in Russell Wilson's face, along with the Danger Witch and every other cringy thing he's put on social media. But his detractors are always looking for ammunition. And what Russ doesn't understand, Chad, he keeps giving it to him over and over and over every week. 
ads are one thing. Commercials are pre-planned. But when you're tweeting work hard or stay at work, whatever he did, and then while he's poolside at Cabo, right? that's easy bait for his uh, he's, for his attractors. He's surprisingly tone deaf. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I'm not I'm not saying that those things aren't true. But to me, the worthiness of them, the relevance of them being newsworthy and meme-worthy and worthy of even being in this conversation, it's like, Maybe if we didn't know that about Russ, that he's more, he's, he's kind of about, he's a guy that puts in the work. Don't get me wrong, but he's also kind of a guy that wants to be known as the guy that puts in the work. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like Peyton Manning, he just put in the work, you know, he just did the job and it came out in the wash on game day with Russ. He puts in the work and, you know, by and large, with the exception of this weird season, it comes out in the wash, but he also wants to make sure all the sources know how hard he's a working. The hardest worker in the room is not the guy saying I'm the hardest worker in the room. And you're 100% correct. He wants that tag and he wants that attribution to his name, but you don't do it that way. You work by, uh, you do it by working hard in silence and that'll catch on. That'll become known. You don't have to say it and publicize it. So on one hand, I kind of see where his haters come from, but it's way over the top. It's ridiculous. That's, that's all I'm getting at is it's like the blowback at this point is also in its own, its own way kind of tone deaf. It's like, why are you freaking out about a quarterback who's bottom five right now tweeting things from the hot tub in Cabo. Like, don't you have bigger fish to fry? David, what's <laughs> going life. on, big dog? Uh, appreciate the super chat, David. He says, good evening. Uh, and right back at you, dude. Broncos for life. Yeah, we love it. It's great to see you. We appreciate each and every one of you who join us on these live streams. And those of you that find it in the kindness of your heart to support what we do here by throwing down super chats like that, David, and like Wero here. Uh, like Edward, like uh, Chris, everybody, it just means the world to us. Warrell says, even if we get mathematically eliminated, wins still serve a purpose in lowering the value of the Seahawks' first-round pick. I hope they draft a bust. Yeah, that's kind of been the, the final dagger here amidst Denver's early season depredation, Zach, is seeing the Seahawks. What are they now, 7-3 and three or 6-3? and three? But either way, like they're a force to be reckoned with. It's not a flash in the pan. Like it's a for- They are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, you know, I don't have to be reminded of it. Seahawks trolls still do that on Twitter. And you know what? They can talk. Right now, Geno Smith's playing good football. They beat the Broncos. Russell Wilson's I'm looking like he took a step back in Denver. So, yeah, I do hope if, if that's what it comes to, we have to be that petty. I can be that petty. And also we have to hope that San Fran loses as many games as possible to uh, maximize the Broncos' first-round pick. I was trying to read what that says in your in your profile pic there, Wero, but it looked like a weird amalgamation of Derek Carr's face, and I was trying to read the text therein. Was it Ryan Liner? Yes. Okay. Um, Derek Carr, confirmed. Free Indeed says, Wilson needs to finish strong or be benched next year. That's not going to happen. Denver would be better off with a rookie than to relive 2022. 2022 has been bad, and here's where it could get worse, though, free indeed. At the end of this season, if it kind of continues at the course that it has, they lose a few more than they win, and they ends up being another lost season. If you're George Payton, is it just automatica? Okay, we got to find the right coach for Russ, and you fire Nathaniel Hackett. Because if you do that, then you risk going through a whole other season of a coach and a player getting to know each other again. And all that whole gumbo of ingredients and factors and whatnot. Whereas if you let Nathaniel Hackett weather the storm, you let him go through his growing pains alongside Russell Wilson, who's going through his own um, growing pains and trial and error learning curve. 
And then you bank on that somehow, Zach, informing how the 2023 season is going to go. It's a, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's as no brainer a decision. Assuming the season kind of ends on the same footing that we're on right now, I don't, it's not quite as no brainer as it might seem, I think, at first, first glance. I mean, I personally think it could be taken off the table, that option of benching Russell Wilson, except for injury. He'll be your starting quarterback next season. No doubt. Um, I I still think, and I I thought the Broncos back in April, after they acquired Russ, they should have drafted a young developmental quarterback. You have to upgrade on Josh Johnson and Brett Rippon just in case. It'd be nice to have a young quarterback in the system, but then you have to ask yourself, is Nathaniel Hackett the one to develop that quarterback? Same question we were asking under Vic and VJ. But, you know, there's so many circumstances here. If they fire Hackett and hire Hmm, uh, Sean Payton, perhaps, let's say, if they have a quarterback guru, a legitimate one in the building, then, yeah, I want as many good quarterbacks in that stable as possible. It's a multi-layered question. Diamond Rattlers, just hoping that we can get a game over 500. Going to be tough. Hopefully the offense starts clicking, he says. Yeah, and you know what? That's the key to this whole thing. You know, the the Broncos defense, Zach, they're going to keep showing up and chopping wood. They're going to do their thing. Really, the destiny of this season it always was going to be about Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, and it still is that. You know, what form is this relationship going to take? The steps that it seemed like the Broncos took forward in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars, were those a flash in the pan? Was it fool's gold? Was it here to stay? You know, I'd like, I would have liked if I was uh, in, a, in a perfect world, Zach, when Nathaniel Hackett met with the, the media Tuesday after the London game, and this preceded the Bradley Chubb uh, trade Scott what was it you said on that email like all all these comments are going to be like useless in an hour's time after the deadline passed and you were right but anyway when he was asked about what are you going to do Zach to how are you going to utilize this by to improve the team you know let's get to some self-scouting what are some of the issues da, 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 da. I would have liked to have seen a more um, introspective uh answer that had a little bit more meat on its bones but i guess he did talk about figuring out red zone figuring out third down if you figure out third down and red zone now this is an offense that actually is a force to be reckoned with because they've been able to move the ball here and there in chunk plays okay where they continue to step on their own you know what's is they can't stay on the field third down incomplete third down incomplete and a lot of times it's just dumb play calls a lot of times it's bad execution it's a combination of these things but Zach, it's, it sounds maybe too simplistic, but if this Broncos offense is able to utilize the bye as a means to figure out what they're doing wrong on third down and, and do it better and convert better in the red zone, this suddenly could become a juggernaut, believe it or not. Yeah, it really boils down to, for me, if they can play like the second half of the Jaguars, we, if we see that offense, they can win some ball games this season. If they play like the first half, which is uh, pretty much the norm this season, then they're not going to win many more ball games. I it's it's more I have less faith in Hackett being the one to turn the ship around than I do Russ. I think there is still gas left in Russ's tank. I'm just not sure that Hackett needs to be the one that can siphon it to the Broncos' advantage. But we'll see what they've learned. It's going to be a hard test, though, coming out against the Tennessee Titans defense. Very, very, again, well-disciplined, uh, a very, very well-coached team, and uh, they don't give up many big plays. It's, did the Broncos learn anything, Chad, from that London game, utilizing their playmakers in uh, Jerry, Judy, KJ Handler? I want to see more Greg Dole. Didn't think I'd be saying that this season, but you got to get the ball in the hands of the guys that are making plays. And those are three of them. If they can do that consistently, they'll have a good chance. 
Shout out right back at you, Michael Ronquillo. Great to see you, big dog. Yes, but it it really does boil down to, hey, does the offense figure it out? If Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett figure things out, iron out the kinks on, you know, another part of this too, Zach, is this identity crisis of Russell Wilson, the, the, the pull, the struggle of, hey, I want to be known as the, you know, quintessential pocket-passing titan of a quarterback like the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's and the Drew Brees's of the uh, NFL annals, but push came to shove, dude. You couldn't. That's just not your game. Your game is when you see the Broncos score touchdowns in this season with Russell Wilson, Zach, it's always, always sparked somehow, some way by him improvising with his legs one way or another. And you know what? You're still going to have to, at times, be able to win from the pocket. And when it's at times on an as-needed basis, as the game flow dictates organically, naturally, I believe that Russ can do that. But when you try to force feed situations where you know, Zach, like in this particular look, in this down, in this distance, if you did a little uh, play pass, you know, naked boot, or you got a moving pocket or something where Russ is able to utilize his athleticism, you probably convert. Instead, you know, you're calling a 13 personnel uh, the receivers just run your routes, shotgun, Russ drops back, shocker, he gets sacked, or shocker, it's incomplete or whatever. Russ is a big part of that, having to come to the his own conclusion of saying, hey, coach, you're right, let's just get back to doing what we both know suits me best. Yeah, that's perfectly said, and I, a lot of it does fall on Russ. He's the one out there on the field making the passes, making the plays, but it's get on Hackett as well. If it's third and one and you're in the red zone, you don't have to have a shotgun yeah. uh, formation. I mean, go under center. Mix it up a little bit. Learn from your mistakes, and the Broncos have now had a week off to learn from that. The question is that we'll find out in a, in a week's time is, did they? We'll see. Exactly, and the NFL is such a hustle-bustle, like – you know, it's easy for us as armchair analysts after the fact to go, oh, look, here, they should fix this, they fix that, da, 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 da. we're seeing this, we're seeing that. Well, in the NFL meat grinder, you go from Sunday to suddenly you, you get like a day to kind of review what you did right, what you did wrong in that next game. And then it's time to start looking at the next opponent because it's, it's just like this, man. And the good teams do figure out ways to maximize the buy, and we'll see if this ends up being a good team. Phil? Appreciate you, buddy. He says, I'm hoping that Russ will keep hitting Jerry Judy and Greg Dulcich. That may open Cortland Sutton a little. I am sold on the quick hits and using the backs. Yes. You got to start using and another thing too, Zach, on this front. I want to talk about what he said on Sutton, but another aspect to this offense kind of finding its rhythm is it's like fans that can remember the juggernaut that were the Carolina Panthers of 2015, how they just wrecked through the NFC playoffs and then they got to the Super Bowl and the Broncos pass rush they figured out right away in the film study of the Panthers that these seven step dropbacks and these longer developing pass plays baby it just played right into our hands of what we do as as a pass rushing front seven and the Broncos I'm seeing way too much of that Zach where it's these long dropbacks or and even if it's a shorter dropback these longer developing passing patterns where they're just being a little too greedy you know, it's like Peyton Manning always talked about. You can't go broke taking a profit when, as Phil writes here, you see these quick hits and utilizing the backs out of the back. But just get the ball out of his hands quick. Pick up those positive yards and live to fight another down. It doesn't need to be looking for that big play all the time. And even Nathaniel Hackett talked about when he was asked Tuesday, hey, is Russell Wilson pressing? What say you, coach? 
said, I don't think it's pressing. I think he's just trying to look for the big play, and that's the mark of a great quarterback. And then he went into, of course, you know, kissing the ring, so to speak. But that's the definition of pressing. When you're not playing, when you're playing outside yourself, you're not playing with uh, presence of mind, and you're desperate to make that big play, everything goes out of whack, dude. You just got to take what's there. And if we could see more of that presence of mind, more of that kind of focus from Russell Wilson, dude, it, it's back to normal, uh, normalcy as far as what you come to expect from a Russell Wilson offense. Yeah, I talked about a few weeks ago. It seemed like Hackett is trying to copy and paste the Green Bay offense in Denver and make Russell Wilson into Aaron Rodgers. Well, like you mentioned, Chad, long developing plays based on timing and, and perfect precision. That's the Packers offense. You put on a Green Bay game, that's what they do. And that's not what Denver is built to do with Russell Wilson. So hopefully he learned from that. Um, about Cortland Sutton, though, I'm as big of a Cortland Sutton fan as you're going to find. I still think he's a tremendous receiver. But I think this season, based on what I've seen, he's a little what's the word disinterested on, on most routes. Yeah. He's not fighting for the ball as much and he's not getting open. The one uh, strong suit about Hackett is he see, seems to scheme his receivers open. He's done it for every receiver, but Cortland Sutton is finding a hard time to get away from uh, man press coverage, even zone coverage in certain situations. That's on Cortland Sutton to be better. And that's yeah. why Jerry Judy is slowly but surely overtaking him as WR one. It has been maddening watching Cortland Sutton this season. Like, he is just, uh, dis, it seems at times, disinterested. We, uh, who was it? I think it, I'll, I'll give us a shout-out to 78 Leadhead, I want to say, in the YouTube comments, made mention of the latest Kurt Warner study ball breakdown of the Broncos offense, and it was on that Jags game. And one of the plays he spent a lot of time on, Zach, was that uh, first slant that Sutton ran against the Jags where it was almost picked off, where the corner had the inside leverage and, he barely avoided that being an interception, but people go, oh, Russ, why are you throwing that? No, 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 no. That wasn't Russ. That was Cortland Sutton doing multiple things wrong on a route that allowed the corner to get that inside leverage and not only break up the pass, but come dang close to picking it off. And it's things that, that, that Cortland Sutton, this deep into his career, Zach, and knowing you're playing with a guy, quarterback, who's been to nine Pro Bowls, like you should be seeing a much more uh, aware, a much more hungry Cortland Sutton, especially after they paid him last year. Like Cortland Sutton, to me, has been one of the biggest disappointments of this season. He is not winning his matchups. That could be why he's not hungry anymore. I'm just speculating, but <laughs> no kidding, get, huh? gets a big contract and decides to uh, kind of pull back the reins a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's not fighting for it, and it seemed like he had a really hot start to the year. He did, in fact, but maybe defenses started adjusting to what they saw on tape, rolling more coverage over Cortland Sutton's way, and he hasn't broken out from it. So it's on him as much as Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett to get 14 in the ball. I saw a funny meme today on the the – Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers struggles, and it listed all the crappy teams that the Packers have lost to and one or two other noteworthy things on the recent Rodgers resume. And then it said all these things happened after Aaron Rodgers took ayahuasca. <laughs> Talking about the, <laughs> the psychotropic thing that he apparently did. He told, I think, Joe Rogan that he did or something. And, yeah, it's hard to – or here's another explanation for Aaron Rodgers' struggles. He lost Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Yeah, the oh, Ayahaka, whatever, I think is uh, the more probable mm -hmm. <laughs> outcome. But, you know, I wonder watching him today, Chad, he threw three bad picks, two of which came in the red zone. Was he trying to be Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense? My first thought was, you know what, Aaron, it happens to everyone, but maybe you're cooked. 
You know, maybe Father Time is calling down, catching up to you. You just don't make the throws anymore like he used to make. Not getting much help, though. If I was him, and I see why now, Chad, because we cover the A-Rod saga so um, extensively over the course of the offseason, why he hates uh, Brian Gutekunst. The guy has done literally nothing to surround him with talent. When he's throwing a Sammy Watkins out there and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, that's not what a Hall of Famer should be uh, experiencing at his uh, disposal. Yeah, it's uh, – I don't know. I, I'll i be honest, though. I mean, I didn't expect to see this level, this magnitude of struggles from Aaron Rodgers. I didn't think losing Nathaniel Hackett would have that big of an impact. So it's either Hackett or the ayahuasca. Which one is it? I mean, I don't know. There's, You know I, what? If you don't believe in coincidence, all right, as I do not, maybe there's a little something more to this Hackett thing than meets the eye. Maybe this – the struggles we've seen in Denver here, you know, because George Payton's a pretty smart guy, right? George Payton's not a sucker. Maybe there's a lot more to the, you know, as far as complicity and culpability and what's happened this year to kind of the Russell Wilson ego more than anything. Let me give you uh, and burst your bubble a little bit, give you the more uh, realistic outcome here. Losing Luke Getzey on that Packers staff, went to Chicago. And you know what? I've been a big Justin Fields hater, but lately Justin Fields is looking like a first-round quarterback making plays. That Chicago offense is coming to life. So maybe Luke Getze was the secret of that Packers coaching staff. But I'm glad, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, the Broncos didn't give up, you know, three first-round picks to pay Aaron Rodgers $55 million a year. It seems like uh, his prime is closing fast. All right, we're at about 38 minutes. Guys, sitting here on the bye, if you have any uh, burning topics that you want us to get to, get it in the chat. Um, Zach, what were your thoughts here on the NFL levying a $10,000 fine on Justin Simmons for his naughty taunting across the pond? This is how I know we haven't had a game in, in a week now. Uh, it's, it is what it is. The NFL is cracking down on taunting this year, uh, even though they've relaxed for a couple years now, celebrations and, and things like that and interceptions and uh, touchdowns. It is what it is, man. The Broncos still got the win. Simmons still had the defensive play of the game, you could say. So whatever. I think this is, uh, this is worth addressing really quick. All right. What the actual, I, I paraphrased it earlier. Uh, but what um, Nathaniel Hackett had to say about Russell Wilson uh, pressing, let me find the, the quote here. Uh, quote, I agree to a certain extent with Russell Wilson. Pardon, let me close this. I agree to a certain extent with Russell that he's not necessarily pressing, but he's always trying to make a play. That's his mentality. That's the great one's mentality. The guys that have played a long time in this league that have thrown for a lot of yards. They're always looking for those big plays. As we work together, I get to learn more when he's trying to find those, what he can do to get those, and I'm trying to create those for him. Of course, we learn about each other after every single game, close quote. So, Zach, do you think Russell Wilson has been pressing, or do you think it's something else? And I guess, first off, how do you define pressing? I I just think overcompensate a lot of this Chad it goes back to what we both think that Russell Wilson's been in and that's a mental slump for one reason or the other and when you're pressing mentally you know you you start pressing physically and it changes everything that you do on the field off the field so yeah I think he's trying to make the big play and show Seattle specifically that hey I'm still Russell Wilson I'm still a nine-time pro bowler you made the wrong move trading me away I'm gonna light the league on fire also we don't know what's going on behind the scenes 
uh, at Dove Valley? Did Hackett say to Russ, listen, do what you want out there. This is your team. Go make a play for us. The pressure the Broncos put on him. And also, Russell Wilson, the pressure he's putting on himself. You mentioned the competitor that he is. He loves football, despite how corny he can be. And uh, he's always working to get better and, and stay at his craft. So, yeah, I, I think he was overcompensating. But that comes with the territory when a team gives up all the draft picks and the players and pays you a quarter billion dollars. And uh, he hasn't lived up to that. And everyone knows it. Andrew, good to see you, brother. He says, um, having problems with stars, but, man, it's the law of what can go wrong. Don't even worry about it, dude. It's great to see you, big dog. MHH for life. We do appreciate that. Uh, Diamond Rattler wants to know here, Zach, where are you guys on your Sopranos? Re are you actually rewatching Sopranos too? Did you join me in this? I mean, I've done it for a couple years now. I mean, I watched it as a kid when it was first on, but I wasn't really old enough to understand the humor. The show is so freaking hilariously funny. And also the nuance, the writing is just so spectacular. It's like on a different level of any other show out there. But I've been just... Once I hit the finale, I see the Onion Rings chat. I start rewatching it all over again. It's almost therapeutic for me. That's how good the show is. But I would say 10 rewatches, 11 rewatches, it's, it's the GOAT. I'm on uh, episode three, season four right now. My uh, momentum slightly kind of took a little bit of a nosedive just because some other things crossed my path. But I'm still watching it. And... Uh, Nothing to me, though, Zach, nothing beats those first two seasons. Something about the dynamic of, uh, I mean, first of all, you get the April, the April, uh, you know, antagonism from whether it's uh, Richie or I guess season three is when you get Jackie, Jackie Jr., Jr., all that stuff. But so I'll say the first three seasons to me are the best. But but really also the mother, you know, I know this is not a Sopranos podcast, but when she the actress that played Tony's mother passed away in real life. So they had to write her out of the show. And then it just kind of took on a different thing, but that's where I'm at on it. Uh, I think season three is the best. The show gets better as it goes on. Season one, when you look back, Chad, it's a little comical. They had to really find itself. Season two, it started taking off, but season three, you get so much. Anyone who hasn't seen the show, I promise you, give it a watch. You will love it. Even if you're not a huge fan of like gangster films, you know, Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino, etc. This is a this is a animal unto itself. It's its own kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I agree on that 100 percent. OK, uh, Josh wants to know here, how do you fix our our penalties? You know, that's a tough question, dude. It, it's to me, that's always been uh, more about the soul of a team than than anything. And, and it points a lot to coaching. You know, any lapse in discipline comes down to coaching um, what's that phrase? I'm sick. So my, my Rolodex is a little bit, you're either, you're either coaching it or you're condoning it or whatever. All right. So if, if you're seeing lapses through of discipline, through penalties or whatever, it's either because that's what they're being coached to do, which obviously you, no one's being coached to jump off sides. No one's being coached to hold or whatever, or they're condoning it by not emphasizing or teaching how to avoid it, et cetera, whether it's in the classroom in the film room and team, etc so i think it's uh it really still points to coaching i don't expect it to go away to be honest with you zach because this is still such a young staff remember not only nathaniel hackett year one as a head coach all his coordinators are in their positions for the first time ever it's going to take time it, we thought it would be microwaved by the virtue of the presence of russell wilson that their learning curves would kind of be a little bit more streamlined but that's not the case 
what also is contributing, I mean, the head coach, you're right, is the obvious factor to me. It boils down to coaching. But when you have so many different players coming into the lineup because of injuries, it really ruins cohesion, chemistry, communication. That contributes to it. But uh, it comes down to the head coach and not having his team ready or disciplined and uh, on top of their game uh, from the opening whistle. Maybe they can hire someone for that. Oh, wait, they have Jerry Rosberg for that. And he <laughs> hasn't done much in five weeks or whatever. So as long as Hackett is here, I feel like it could be a, uh, a Achilles heel for Denver. Michaela Israel with a second super chat. Thank you, my friend. She says the Sopranos will never be topped. Yeah, I agree. It's um, personally my favorite TV show of all time. I'd throw out there as contenders, but still not not on the level. Breaking Bad, really, really good. People tell me you got to watch Better Call Saul. I tried the first season and it bored me to tears. That was so boring. And they're like, no, you just got to get past first season and then Better Call Saul. Like, well, I got a life to lead and I got things going on. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that. The Wire is really good. I was yeah. watching The Wire a little bit today, actually. Uh, some Jimmy McNulty, dude. So those are those are probably my three. And they're all old. They're, they're, they're shows that are, you know, out of circulation now. Yeah, you know, I like shows with really good writing, and that's what makes Sopranos the best show because the writing is so hilarious and it's, it's you know, it's so real too. It's real life stuff, real life arguments, real life relationships, real life issues, despite the show being about a mobster. Um, Mad Men is another one that's a really well written show, very well acted. I enjoy a lot, but to me, it's Sopranos and then literally everything else. Dude, I was watching uh, Football Night in America before we went live here, and they had this big. Uh, you know, this whole segment geared around a sponsor, a betting sponsor. I'm not going to name drop it, but I'm thinking to myself, man, different time, different place. Cause Tony Soprano and those boys, they'd be freaking fighting up a storm to not allow gambling to become legalized because that took, that would take all the power away from the gangsters and from the loan sharks and all the bookies and whatnot. In the old days, that was all underground stuff. That was all illicit. Now it's all, legal and above board you can go down to the local wherever if it's legal in your state you can just go place your bet no one's going to come break your knee i mean you do have to have the money up front that's the big difference i guess so that probably still exists zach there's probably still guys out there that are you know sick degenerate gamblers to quote tony soprano who they don't have the upfront money so they want to borrow money from a from a guy you know a uh, uh, hash right and then go <laughs> go gamble with tony soprano yeah, there's still some Davy Scatinos out there that just can't help <laughs> right. themselves. But uh, the, I think the mafia presence, though, has really shrunk in the last 30 or 40 years. I think the Sopranos era, it was filmed in the late 90s through the uh, mid-2000s. That was the last waning um, you know, prime of the mafia. And especially now with social media chat and everything else, it must be impossible to commit such offenses of which I have no knowledge firsthand. Well, guys, yes, indeed, Diamond Rattler. Omar coming. Such a great character. Uh, last super chat, guys, unless you got any anything else, he's saying uh, Austin says Game of Thrones and uh, HOD House of Dragons. Okay, hello, are good. And OFC, the Lord of the Rings for movies. I love, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings guy, so I feel you on that. The, the new one that just came out on Amazon was horse crap, by the way. I couldn't even watch that. But Game of Thrones was good. They screwed up the ending. And uh, unfortunately, as someone who's been reading the books and waiting for the series to, in its literary form to be completed for 20 plus years, I started reading those books when I was a teenager in the 90s. And he still hasn't finished it because it would be finished. But the author, George R.R. R. Martin, 
focused all this time now on HBO and an adaptation into film, you know, TV and whatnot. So the story ended up fluttering off into the wind. The way Game of Thrones ended completely crushed it and ruined it for me. It was the stupidest ending ever. Yeah, Boardwalk Empire is another show. It yes, an HBO, yes, yes. Um, Spawn that was really good. It was written by Terrence Winter, who was the one of the chief writers of The Sopranos. Terrific writer who also wrote The Wolf of Wall Street, by the way. So anyone who liked The Sopranos likes that mafia kind of genre. Check out Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Nucky Thompson, baby. I love that too. I was a big fan. I was a big fan. Um, this this isn't exactly fair. Better Call Saul, I hear that a lot, that no, nah, you just got to hang on and get through it. That first season was so boring. Dude, nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing. So I'm like, look, I got a life to lead. I got things to do. I've never even seen a Fast and Furious movie, for what it's worth. Believe it or not, I've never watched those movies. I'm not big into uh, pulp action, gratuitous action uh, on that front, for what it's worth. But... uh. All right, one last gander here in the chat. Let me make sure we're not leaving anybody out to dry. I think we're good, Zach. If you if we do our our shout outs and then say goodnight. Yeah, we can do it. I was I tried, you know, uh Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. I I wanted to like it. It just was a little over the top for me. I I like realism. That's why it shows like The Wire, Sopranos were so good. I tried um uh, what's the one with uh Jason Bateman? Uh, oh, Ozark. Ozark, yeah. I tried that. The first episode was good, but it lost me after that. So that's why Sopranos was such a high standard, high bar to clear. Not a lot of shows have come close. But that was True. the – this was a Broncos podcast tonight, not a TV podcast. But that was the MHH pod. Follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. Follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Chad at Chad and Jensen. Myself at Kelberman NFL. And Scott at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, you know what it is, where it is. HuddleUpPod.com and get your merch on. Also, Facebook.com slash Pod. Be sure you're liking that page, following that page. And if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every month. But if anything, please, as you see ticking below you now, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen. Shout out to these great Super Chat superstars on YouTube tonight. Ed, Chris, Luke, Austin, Michaela, Wero, David. Much love and respect. And then on Facebook, Phil. David Wilder and Jeremy throwing down. We love you. We appreciate you. Have a good uh, rest of your weekend, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.